Hey guys, before we get to today's show, I want to remind you that even though he pulled a very unkind April Fool's Day prank on yours truly, which he made me think the TX might be trading Russell Wilson, you should all download and subscribe to the Adam Schefter podcast anyways. He has great guests, most recently running back Najee Harris, and it's a lot of fun. You can find the Adam Schefter podcast wherever you get your pods. On top of that, baseball's back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch the best of the bigs all season on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash baseball. Are you ready to see where the next generation of NFL stars will go? The 2021 draft is coming and you do not want to miss it. Join us for live coverage of all three days as our NFL and college football experts break down every pick. And our NFL insiders bring you behind the scenes with exclusive access. The 2021 NFL Draft starts April 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern, live on ESPN, ABC, and NFL Network. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks Walker Little means mom only takes you out for 10 minutes. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. Walker Little is a prospect in this year's draft. And my guest today is Mike Renner. First time guest. I can't believe this is the first time you ever on my podcast. That's crazy. Thank you so much, Mike. No, it's an honor. And seriously, uh, glad to be here. Uh, Mike is the lead draft analyst. I did ask him who he was leading, and he he's the only draft analyst. That it, he's just the guy at <laughs> but um it makes it easier that way yeah it makes it easier um so lenny's the lead dog analyst at espn he's also the only dog analyst but but mike does many things um he also hosts a podcast called two for one drafts which is it sounds like is about the draft obviously and i'm looking at it now though it's a little bit misleading because there's a picture and i think the one that's you has long hair and you don't have long hair so that could be confusing to i don't know if you thought about changing the artwork for that Oh, I've asked for it to be changed. Oh, Don't okay. you worry. Like, it, we're, we, 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 I want it changed, but because I look absolutely ridiculous with the long hair. But that's I why I cut it in the first place. You could, or you, we could just switch, and I could do that show, <laughs> and the hair looks like my hair. And you, I don't know if you'd want to talk with Austin that much. He's he he gets he can be a little over the top. Um. Well, I, I've I've listened to it before. It's an excellent podcast. I also am an avid reader of Mike's draft guide, the PFF draft guide. Mike, tell them where they can get it and what it is. Yes. So it's 300 player profiles, uh, team pages with needs and stuff. And, and I have all the PFF data that you guys know and love on the NFL side, mm-hmm. like coverage stats for corners, pressure stats for D linemen, O linemen, that sort of thing, like advanced stats, like heat maps for quarterbacks where they throw most often. Uh, use that for Mac Jones, pr- profiling him to the Cal Shanahan Ooh. offense. Uh, but you can get all that with pretty much any PFF subscription. Any, even a monthly subscription, you get it. Nine ninety nine. Get that subscription, you, and yeah. you get a draft guide that comes with it. Yeah, the, the stats are super useful. Just looking through it, I mean, you know, you can see snaps, where guys, you know, the positions they played over the years, that kind of thing, which tends to be missing from some draft coverage. And and it's really, honestly, like hearing you describe it, it's such a waste because we're really only going to talk about big names today, and that is. Very comprehensive, and we're going to try to be comprehensive and get through a lot of players, but we only have so much time. Last week with Spencer Hall, I talked about the quarterbacks and the skill players. Didn't even get to the offensive linemen because we had to go on tangents about um, Love Island, UK. So we are going to talk about the offensive linemen a little bit today. The defensive linemen, the edge rushers, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties. I'm cramming. This is. I'm so glad you're here because you are the expert. 
I am the person desperately cramming and trying to watch Tulsa. I like I, I look. I'm not going to lie to you. I did not watch Tulsa football. I was going to say you weren't Tulsa, weekend. watching Tulsa. I, first the of all, of what season, is a golden? What is a golden hurricane? It sounds like something that should be like not safe for work. And I, I don't know. Um, but they beat Notre Dame once, and I was pretty oh, really? upset about that back in like okay. was that 2012 or something. Well, now I love the golden so. hurricanes. I also love saving costs. I'm going to bring him up. But anyways, I'm cramming all the non like power schools now, and um. Uh, let's just start with the offensive lineman because we were going to talk about that last week. And yeah. I, I want to start kind of macro actually and ask you a question because last year's offensive line class, the first round was insane. Like just in terms of the, how, how those players, your, you know, your worfs, your wills, how they translated to the NFL this year, we're told this is a very good class, particularly the tackles. Is it unrealistic or is it, would it be unfair to say, Hey, look how good that turned out last year. There's a trend. Like if you're, a team taking the first round this year and deciding between offensive linemen and say a skill player, like you should take an offensive lineman because look how well it's gone lately. No, I I think last year is an outlier in terms of NFL readiness. Like those four guys, those four guys were as good a prospects and as good, like a completed guys as you'll get. And even one of them, you know, even Andrew Thomas, the one drafted first still really wasn't NFL ready. Like, as we saw, he didn't do that well there for the Giants. So I do think the worst of the world, the Mekhi Becton, Jedrick Wills, those three, that's an outlier. And we were talking about even at the time about those, that top of that draft class, top of that tech class was an outlier and how good it was that what, from what we've seen here at PFF in our seven years of doing this. This one, I'd put two guys sort of in that tier in Penny Sewell and Ray Sean Slater. Penny Sewell, the Oregon tackle. Ray Sean Slater, the Northwestern tackle, both opted out this past year. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot in terms of I'm not sure any of those guys will step in and be great right away, but I do think mm. the depth of talent after those top two is, again, un- unlike any of the classes we've seen in the prior six years doing this at PFF. So Sewell and Slater seems like a good place to start because they're, I would say like at the beginning of draft season, it was the consensus. It was almost, it was seemed to be unanimous. Panay Sewell, generational talent. No one that big should move like that. I've said before on our shows, like I don't, I cannot evaluate offensive line play and I'm not going to front and pretend that I can, but even someone as dumb as me, when I watch Oregon highlights, see I, he stands out like he, if anything is like the only one that stands out, frankly, but (laughs) lately, um, you know, you have seen mocks where it's, Slater and him have switched places a little bit here and there. Of course, also opted out as well. Like, do you think there's anything to not in terms of how it's going to play? I'm just talking about talent and and how you regard these players. Do you think it would be defensible for a team to take uh, Slater over Penesuel? <sighs> defensible. I, I think I think Slater's safer in in some ways. Like, defensible in terms, he was better on a football field in the coachable aspects of football. Penny Sewell is better at the non-coachable aspects of football, the being 330 pounds and moving like you weigh 240 pounds. He is a different animal in terms of what he can do physically. And and the crazy thing about Sewell to me is last time we saw him play football, he was 19. I I don't know how many offensive linemen in the history of college football you would have drafted top, been willing to draft top five after they were 19 years old. But Penny Sewell is like, Joe Thomas was a senior when he came out. Quentin Nelson was a senior when he came out. That's when we started talking about those guys as, you know, generational type talents. I'm talking about that with Penny Sewell after sophomore tape. He didn't get to see his junior tape. So that's that to me is the thing with Sewell. It's just like, man, what could he be? 
because what he brings to the table physically is different from really any guy, even like in the last year's class, that was crazy. Like no one was talking about Tristan Wirfs after a sophomore year's top five pick. Andrew Thomas is a top five pick. So that's the thing about Sewell. That's the intriguing part. But Rayshon Slater, like on the football field, we saw what he did against Chase Young, handled Chase Young better than anyone handled Chase Young in 2019. And pretty much only four pressures allowed all season long. Just he's so solid and so safe, just not quite the level of physical tools that Sewell's bringing to the table, but he's, it's not like he's yeah. bereft. Oh. Like the oh, the dude's right. athletic in his own right. So yeah. A little bit small, a little on the smaller side. Uh, well, Slater, um, we were talking today in the show about Carolina, which I think is a really interesting team in the draft, you know, staying at eight, having uh, made the trade for Darnold. You know, I, I've said repeatedly, I think if Fields is still there for whatever reason, they should just take him. But um, Kuiper had Devontae Smith going there, which, you know, it, I, it's defensible. But Carolina with the obvious need at tackle, like, do you think eight is a reach for Slater? Or given what you said, do you think he makes sense there? I, I think he makes sense there. He, he's going to be 11th on our final draft board. And that's just because. I worry about him necessarily staying a tackle or maybe kicking inside a guard. But I, I think after yeah. 11, there's like a tier of, I feel very good about the top 11 in this class. And that includes a bunch of quarterbacks as well, but in terms of being blue chip type of talents. And then at 12 or so, I really don't know. That's when it gets sort of hairy. So I'd put him in that tier of guys that if they don't work out in the NFL, I don't think it's necessarily because of on field, like the talent and how hmm. gifted the top 11 on the PFF board already are at playing football. It's going to be because of other issues if they don't pan out. Who do you guys have Carolina taking then? Just out of curiosity. Oof. I, I think they go Slater, yeah. Or Sewell. I think Sewell may fall okay. there, truthfully. Oh, you really? You do? Well, then that, that would seem to be a massive coup for them if that was to actually happen. Um, yeah, I, I do think the weapons will come off the board. Have you seen that? Um, it was like, I don't know if Bengals Twitter made it, the meme of Joe Burrow... I can't believe I'm using the word Bengals Twitter meme in a sentence and like insinuating that normal human beings have seen this, but it's like a meme of there are dozens of them. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe Burrow, like trying to throw the ball to Jamar chase and getting sacked. And then, Oh yes, I us. have seen this. <laughs> it's like a very Here's rudimentary. Sort of yeah. Um, anyways, look it up. Um, trying to and, explain offensive line value versus wide receiver. Yes. Value. If you what haven't seen this sure. meme, congratulations on having a healthy, normal life. Um, so you, you mentioned though Slater potentially kicking into guard. It seems like to me, like based on all the various mocks I've seen, um, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, who has played both guard and tackle. Um, most people seem to think he's a cut above uh, potentially on the interior. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd put him in his own sort of tier. Yeah, if you're not exactly. calling Slater a guard, then I think he is clearly the top offensive lineman. I, I, Landon Dickerson would be close, right? But Landon Dickerson has no ACL in his lefty. You know, he's shredded it twice at this point. And that's just he did a car wheel. He's not going to get drafted high because of that. So yeah, mm. um, yeah, Dickerson. I can't decide. Well, I don't want to make this about the Seahawks. I can't decide if I. I mean, yeah. Anyways, we're not going to do that. Um, yeah. You okay. Well, I'll save that for I'll save that for my questions at the end. Um. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the defensive tackles. This is another one where it seems like it seems like there's like a, a bunch of positions here where there's like very widely agreed upon potentially in their own tier number one, and that would be Christian Barmore out of Alabama. But 
well, I, I, you know, I felt like great enthusiasm, but then I, w- I, I worried that that was recency bias because obviously um, he got so much better as the season went on and then literally peaked at the right time in, you know, the playoffs. Does the fact that Barmore was relatively where he was, by the way, when you go back and watch the Natty and I've watched it now twice, I think since then, it he is so crazy good in it. Like, um, or maybe, I mean, he was probably the best defensive player on the field, right? I'm not. My brain. No, hundred percent was. Yeah, in that game and the Notre Dame game, and in the Notre Dame game, yes, he made your your guys' lives miserable. So, and that's a good offensive line, which is important too, right? When we're talking about Barmore and the pass rush production and the upside there, the problem is he didn't do jack against Florida. Or um, I have a list of games here in front of me. There's a few early in the season where he just disappeared. And does that concern you at all? If we're if we're trying to regard him as this like consensus number one, um, you know, d- interior defensive lineman who also has pass rush upside. It doesn't necessarily concern me when I then look at the other guys in this class. Like it's that bad with, with who the who these other defensive tackles are and their consistency and and how you know often they show up as mm-hmm. pass rushers. But if we're putting him in a tier of Comparing him to last year's class, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, kind of the pros for Barmore is he's coming out a year younger. He obviously got the high-level competition in the national championship playoff, the high sort of profile games to showcase himself, whereas those other guys didn't. But they were, I don't want to say finished products coming out, Kinlaw and Brown, but it's just like those guys dominated their senior years. They were every single game pretty much showing up, and that's why you felt comfortable drafting them with top 15 picks. I'm not sure Barmore... Obviously, like you said, there he didn't he didn't quite do that, but I don't think you can fake what he did, you know, against Notre Dame and, mm. and Ohio State. Those are darn good interior offensive lines. Guys, he's beating are going to be playing in the NFL. Yes, and so if you're exactly. capable of that, I, I trust that you're capable of repeating that. Then for when you're you know, 22, 23, as you develop in the NFL, he's just so strong, <laughs> like his upper body is crazy strong. And I think that's, again, like if you're betting on, okay, this wasn't just, you know, the small sample size. Well, first of all, he only, I believe he was used situationally in 2019, as I remember correctly, right? Like this is his only yes. quote unquote full season as a starter. And Quinn Williams esque. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so again, like it's a, it was a weird season. A, a few guys got kind of slow starts. And if you're going to have a slow start and peak, you, you want a guy who not only has these measurables and traits and strengths and lengths, but also does it against that offensive line. Um, just throwing out teams. We were, I, I, I don't know where you can tell me where he's sort of like being mocked right now. I was putting together, we were doing some mocks and I actually had Dallas, I thought Dallas needed him the most and I have them trading down and then adding a corner later because I didn't think, I think you and I were DMing about this. I didn't think JC Horn, who Mel had mocked them was a good fit for that, for what mm-hmm. Dan Quinn does. And also I thought Barmore three tech, that system just makes a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, Dallas would be probably your best, like straight fit 10 Value wise, maybe high, and that's why the trade down makes sense there. Obviously, Dave Gettleman's never seen a DT; he didn't want to draft, so that one's always a possibility there. The fit I kind of see is kind of where I think his floor might be. Is I think Tennessee would love to pair him with Jeffrey Simmons, 
they're trying to like go zag now. They tried to build through their secondary. Now I think they're building through their D line. Mm-hmm. Really don't have anyone besides Simmons now. I, I think I'd be hard pressed to see him really fall past twenty two because it's him. And then there's you're not going to get another guy that I would even feel great stepping and starting right away next year. It's just really what about the um, um, NC State uh, Aleem Aleem McNeil. McNeil. Okay, so he's just like a rock. I, I, that's my comp for him is literally a, a boulder. He, you just set him down on the ground um, and he does not move. I read somewhere that he's lost a bit of weight. So he's like six, two or three, 320. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't think he has like that kind of upside necessarily, but you don't think he could start at nose right away in the NFL? I think he could. I just don't think you're necessarily going to get impact, and especially as a pass rusher. He was yeah. limited even on tape at in college as a pass rusher. And now he went to NC State. Obviously, you're not going to get the development you get at somewhere like in Alabama or mm-hmm. Ohio State if you go there in terms of your pass rushing moves. So there's still sort of that unrealized – he really didn't have pass rushing moves. He's just barreling straight ahead off the snap. He was a zero tech in that defense there, head up on centers uh, every snap. But – the first step is ridiculous. 317 pounds. He had a one six eight ten split, which that's faster than Chris Jones's was coming out, who was like 310. So heavier than Chris Jones, better first step than Chris Jones coming out. That's, that's pretty, mo- that's moving. So I, I, I do like him in the second, but again, I, in terms of guys you think can make an impact year one, it might, it just might be year two, year three until he really gets it going. Moving is like one of my favorite football like draft where he's like he's moving well, yeah like moving. he's he's of course he's moving they're all moving i don't that's what, how to, I, don't know. I, was, I feel like i feel like it, that one's really like picked up steam lately it's moving moving is moving um speaking of moving let's get to the edge rushers because i just i want to this is where i needed you the most today um because i, I need someone too <laughs> like, this class is confusing and I just have all these feelings and I need to wade through the feelings. And also like, I, I, I've been saying to you, like, there's, this is the consensus guy. This is the consensus guy. Everybody agrees, whatever. I do not see consensuses on the edge. And I, after watching them understand why, because you can poke holes in every single one of these guys. You can make an argument for any, by any of them, I mean like the top five or six, any of them to be the best. And you could make an argument against any of them. So I feel like a few weeks ago, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan was, I, I, I kept seeing him number one and thought, okay. And then, you know, I hadn't watched him yet, like carefully. But then he started, started dropping. And, and then I watched him. And so I just want to, let's start here. <sighs> he is. Okay, what, 6'4", 272, crazy, crazy, crazy explosive, and it shows up on tape. But you know what doesn't show up on tape? A lot of production, Mike. So <laughs> tell me, am I missing something? Like, what? I mean, like, do you think, first of all, you should start by saying, is he your number one? And if not, why? And how do you regard him? He is our number one. And you're not wrong about the production. And that's the thing. I think that's why you're so torn on this edge class. Why can't everyone is so torn in this edge class. None of these guys are producing consistently. There's no one who's just, mm. oh yeah, he wins. You know, There's no one you can really count on. Maybe Aziz Ojolari, the Georgia guy, is the only one, and he's really not. He's under 250 pounds. He's, small. he's just not going to be everyone's cup of tea at, off the edge. He's a different type 
than all the rest of these guys. But pay, pay is number one on the PFF board and two reasons. One is that he truly is out of this world athletic. You know, he didn't run a three cone at his pro day, but there's, he sent us a video of him running and it is a sub <laughs> 6.5 seconds. Wait, 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 wait. The way you just phrased that made me imagine him just like DMing you a video, like a he handmade video. Like he sent us a video. Tell me about this video that he said. It was, we got him on the podcast and then he DMs us. It, it really was him on his phone taking a video of a computer screen. It's so sketchy. Of him running. Okay. A video. It was like a secret <laughs> black market three cone. Oh my this God. is the draft we're talking about. Man. Ooh, is, these, these, are these, these are what? You got any of those three cones? Something like the Dave show. Okay. So tell me about this video that you got to see. And so, I mean, it's, 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 it's running the three cone last spring and it's under six and a half seconds. Von Miller put up probably the freakiest three cone for an edge rusher before mm-hmm. this at six, seven. So he is under six and a half faster than Tyreek Hill ran a three cone, like an all time. And he's 270 pounds doing this. The guy is just a different level of athlete. He did 36 reps on the bench press at his pro day. And he doesn't have short arms either. That's 33 inch arms. He is just, and I mean, like you can see the picks from his pro day. Mm. He looks like a creative player in NFL blitz. Like that guy looks like a character out of a movie and just, yes, he has not produced necessarily, but the biggest thing is compare kind of how he looked on tape back two years ago when he first started playing to then last year, to now this past season. And you see this incremental improvement every single year considerably with just mm-hmm. how he uses his hands, pass rushing moves to where he's putting in the work. Like he's getting better. It's getting there. He just started from behind the eight ball because he was a running back in high school, goes to Michigan from a small uh, conference. And I, I believe it was Rhode Island is where he was from. And then comes to Michigan, absolutely getting coached up there, but still not quite uh, where he needs to be. But, edge and rushing the passer is such a physically dependent position. Like you either have the tools, what it yeah. takes to look like and be miles Garrett or you don't. And then you're, if you don't, you're not going to be like miles Garrett, sadly. So Quiddy <laughs> pay has those tools though. Yeah. He was also doubled a lot. I don't know if that's in your guide. Sorry. I probably should have checked if you guys chart that or anything, but um, I don't think we do with um, NGS. It was not a guide, okay. Yeah. Well, to my eye, he was doubled a lot and, uh, and, moved him inside a bit and mm-hmm. um you know so and he like it, wasn't, it was four games also like that was all he yeah year. he wasn't often put it, what i'm saying is like in a completely advantageous position mm-hmm. um so yeah you are betting on potential which again like we're not talking about we're saying like there's no chase young Wait, no, no one's arguing that quitty pay should go in the top five right like we're talking about later and mm-hmm. so at a certain point with edge rusher this potential that you speak of is so important and you mentioned Aziz Ajilari, so um, out of Georgia, he's, he he is probably the most, I don't know, pro-ready is the wrong word because that implies that he's going to translate to the NFL. I guess experienced looking is maybe what I'm going for. Looks like polished. he knows what he's doing. Polished is, there yes, you that you go. Yeah. Um, he's just small, but Brian Burns was small. I wonder if he'll benefit from Brian Burns. I I think they're pretty similar sized, if I'm mm. correct. Um, Burns is taller than like leaner. yeah. Bur- Burns when he but, but they also like I think have that same um, flexibility on the edge when they corner. That I, I, I've seen him compared to Unique Ngakwe a lot, and that probably makes a little bit more sense. But um, I, I think the success of Burns probably will help him a little bit this year, and like it, it is. 
it's not quite like a Devonte Smith where you're like the size doesn't show up on tape. There are times when the shot the size does show up on tape and he gets pushed around a little bit and disappears. But to me, like the fact it's not a coincidence that he was probably the best pass rusher in the SEC, and it's not a coincidence that he is able to produce the way he did. Um, so, like, I would not be surprised. It, and, and by, despite being small, he also is incredibly athletic and explosive. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the first edge rusher taken off the board based, uh, based purely on what he's done in college. No, I wouldn't be either. Honestly, any of, like, the top five guys, if, if they get drafted first, I'd be like, okay, I, I can see that. I can see the argument. And, like, I, and it, a lot of these guys are also then going to be scheme dependent. Like, Aziz isn't going to fit into every scheme. But if you need like a three, four outside linebacker, yeah. you need the hand up sort of guy who can maybe drop into coverage. That's probably gonna be him. If you're looking at all these guys and kind of evaluating them, this is probably the one who's going to fit. And I also think, you know, Caleb on chase on was a similarly sized guy and was a first round pick last year. I think honestly, Ojalar is a better prospect than even he was. I, I thought he was a little more of a physical projection, whereas Ojalari not necessarily the athlete. He doesn't, he's not a super athlete like Brian Burns was where he can win just alone on that, but his hands mm-hmm. really are so good. And I think he'll be, if you, if you told me one guy is going to be, I have to put my hat in to be at least like a, a an above average pass rusher in the NFL, I would say him. I, I just, I'm really? not sure. Yeah. I, I think he will just be, but like Yannick Ngakwe is kind of the comp. It's just like, are you going to get a guy who can play on the field every down and are you right. going to get a guy who disappears against better tackles? Because when he doesn't really have that athletic advantage, then all of a sudden he gets shut down. It depends on the team, right? You mentioned scheme. And by the way, mentioning Ngakwe, like the, uh, a couple of days ago, we had to do like a quick like, okay, who you're taking at the bottom of the draft? And I was giving the Ravens and I was like, Aziz Ojolari! Because I couldn't take a... The Ravens are yeah. picking a weird spot because um, the wide receivers they need are not the wide receivers on the board there, in my opinion. It's a different conversation when Bateman comes off, but if, if Bateman comes off, but I gave them a Jolari because um, obviously the Ravens blitz a ton. And to me, if there's a coordinator who, you know, can manufacture pressure for him, it would be like a Wink Martindale. And so again, it, it really is all about which team, what do they need? How yes. will they use them? Who, who, who's the rest of your top five? You said there's five. So number two on the board is uh, Penn State, Jason Elway. It's number two. Uh, number f- four is Jalen Phillips from Miami, and then number five is Greg Rousseau from Miami. Okay, so that's the rest of the top five. That seems really high for Elway to me. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so he, his argument's like the same as Pays, though. Yeah. He started playing football in 2016. Like he is I like not, football, I like the sport. <laughs> yes, started playing the sport altogether like five years ago, uh, and so that's kind of the thing with him. Five mm-hmm. years of playing the game. You've already seen improvement, distinct improvement in the way he plays in the run game from 2019 to 2020. And talking about freak athletes, he yes. may be the single freakiest ever on the edge. Like his, his pro day, he ran the fastest 40 and had the farthest broad jump ever for a defensive end. Did he text he just, you the video or was it time? <laughs> those were secret. Uh, those were secret times that I got from him. But he had a 4.3940 and 11 foot two broad jump. Like he would be athletic if he were a wide receiver. And this guy is a 257-pound edge rusher. And he's like 6% body fat. He's like DK Metcalf plus 30 pounds or 20 pounds. Um, he, is, he is terrifying. Um, 
he so you're going to hear this approximately 100 million times between you've already heard if you probably listen to football podcasts he did not have any sacks in just a few games in 2020 he had five there before but when you watch uh the pressures do show up you know you shouldn't box score watch jason away um there are a couple games indiana you know where, where, where he really does stand out and, and you can see um that sort of explosive ability um I don't know. I just, it doesn't really like, I, does he have moves? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a passer. You tell me. Um, I do. I mean, who does he remind you of? Let me ask you that. Other than DK Metcalf. I, I mean, he is Montez Sweat-esque from just like, the length. how he moves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like, he's, and even, even say he's not an impact pass rusher right away. With the advent of all these you know, option runs, unblocking defensive end, that sort of thing, his ability to track down guys like in space is kind of ridiculous and play both ends mm-hmm. of an option or you know track down from the backside on outside zone when you're the unblocked guy. He's going to be able to just create havoc in that alone because of yeah. the fact that when he's at a standstill, he's about to run a 4-3-9 on you. you know? So is he really is. You mentioned the option because that, that was a note I – on Jalen Phillips, who I think might be my favorite. I'm not saying he should go first. I think he just might be like my favorite. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's my beloved. Um, because I wrote eyes, eyes, eyes over and over watching him. I was just so impressed by his eyes, his ability to read and react. And frankly, like he just looked the most complete to me. So for those who don't know, Jalen Phillips has like a crazy story. He was uh, the number one defensive prospect in the country coming out of high school. Yeah. He went to UCLA uh, had a bunch of injuries, concussions, was hit by a car, um, medically retired, then came back to Miami after Gregory Rousseau opted out, or maybe before, but whatever, and completely filled the gap. And to me, uh, Mike, he has it all. He has size, athleticism, explosiveness, moves. <laughs> um, yeah. I, like I said, the read and reactability, like I just... I fa- I really and and um, the other thing I wrote down over and over is motor like that dude does not quit so I really like him. No, and I honestly, if if you really didn't have any of those injury or can like the concerns, the history of that, he he would be in that mix for edge one for us. But it's that real like the fact that the guys retired from football already with concussions is a little scary. And, and the other thing is that he is. Again, then the old, older than these guys, and this is his fourth mm. year for, compared to some of them, compared to Rousseau, Owe, Ojolari, like he is, has one more year of college experience. And he went, he was another guy who went solely against right tackles. And if you think the right tackle, left tackle difference is big in pros, it's, it's even bigger in college. So that always helps your production numbers if you're going up against yeah. the lesser tackle kind of every single time, which was what he was doing in Miami. That's a good point. Well, staying with Miami real and wrapping up this group. Um, Gregory Rousseau, it's interesting. You mentioned Montez Sweat for OA. I, I see him compared to Rousseau a lot. Opted out. Do you think that was a mi- mistake? Not not from a him perspective, life decisions. Just like, do you think if he was drafted last year, I don't know, where would he have been for amongst addressers for you? No, no I, I don't think it was a mistake for him, honestly, because I, I think 16 sacks in the NFL's eyes. That's you're still your that was your last season was still 16 sacks. Now. He wished he would have come back and tested a little bit better than he did, as I think his biggest worry. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, if he came back and was no more polished than he was as a redshirt freshman. And, and that is kind of the worry with me with him is he was not winning against tackles. You watch the vast majority of those yes. 16 sacks come against guards. <laughs> yeah. And when you have 35 inch arms against college guards and you're, you have to get off, he does. It's, it's a little different. That's not necessarily something that you're thinking is going to translate immediately to the NFL. You'd rather that guy be able to win the edge. And he just, he didn't on his tape. And then he runs this awful three cone really has poor change of direction drills. And it's like, is he ever going to beat tackles at the NFL? Because that's kind of what mm. it takes. You got to be able to win. You got to be able to bend the edge against tackles if you're going to win there consistently. So the, the cop sort of of usage is that that was Jadavian Clowney's problem in terms mm. of he just, he's always only been able to win inside against guards. So maybe he has to be used in that sort of a role. But yeah, I, I think, I, I think he would have hurt himself more if he came back and then didn't solve that problem as a redshirt sophomore, which is very likely that he may not have. Kind of looks like a pterodactyl. I wrote that oh, down. Oh man, it is building. It's about as tall a about as tall a defensive end as you see now, six seven. He's a nightmare. Um that's interesting about three gun. I hadn't seen his time. Um yeah, I ooh, the clowny thing. Ooh, now I see it. Now I can't unsee it. Oh, I've been thinking about clowny too, because ever since the Browns rumors have propped up popped up, I've been thinking mm. about you know, which is good because for Cleveland, by the way, because you can line them up inside, like you said, but yeah. You're not taking an edge rusher in the first round with that in mind. Um, all right. So I, one more really quick, actually, because I've seen uh, Joe Tryon rising up, Tryon, Tryon, uh, rising up boards. And um, that kind of surprises me as a sort of fake Washington football fan. <laughs> um, I, I say sort of fake because I'm not that passionate about it, but I do watch a fair amount. And I did watch yeah. uh, the year before when he actually played and, um, like he, he is very athletic and tall and strong and did come on as the season went on. Um, but you know, I, I didn't see him as a first round pick, I guess. I don't know. What do yeah. you think? No, talk about a guy who probably has opt out regrets. I think it's him because he could have yeah. come back and answered some of those production concerns. Cause he's not a consistent passer. He has a bull rush on his tape. That's, that's what he has. And that's, that's kind of going to be his game at the next level. He is explosive guy. He is a long defensive end, but if that's all you're bringing and and if you're not even consistent with it in college where you should have that physical advantage, it's like, you're going to be more consistent all of a sudden in the NFL. And so he could have kind of answered that in 2020. We just didn't get to see it. And now he did test fairly well at his pro day. He had a good 10 split, fairly good three cone, not exceptional, but I, the physical tools are there, but man, he really, if he comes back and kind of puts it all together, he would have been in that mix with, for that top edge, Oway pay. He would have been right up there with those top group for us, but I just can't, I can't see how based off the 2019 tape, you can take that guy in the first round because he's not really that special as an athlete. He's got a good build, but like I said, with his level of production, he's not, he's not close. He's in the eighties for us. I just got a text from Dan Orlowski saying what? And I thought something crazy has happened. Um, and it was just him sharing a tweet where I said, I thought Trey Lance had the highest ceiling of any quarterback in the class. False alarm, Dan Orlowski. Oof, you can't sneak, a, can't sneak a QB take past Orlowski. 
<laughs> highest ceiling is also hi, well. Highest ceiling is such a cop out take because um, <laughs> you really you can say that about, I have the highest ceiling of any quarterback, and that you know it's not too late for me. You never know. Um, I mean, the, the draft is the home of cop out takes. We we rail against it on two for one drafts all the time about right. fun to watch being like the cop out take of just calling a guy fun to watch. It's it's not Ooh, a take. fun to it's watch. Just, fun to it, watch. The guy plays football. All right. Well, after the break, let's let's talk about a player that's very fun to watch, Micah Parsons. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, Mike, everybody seems to agree Micah Parsons is the number one defensive player in the draft. I haven't really seen any. I, I guess I've seen some corners, maybe, but I think most most people seem to agree it's Parsons. Who is your comp for him? And like, are we talking all pro ceiling? Like, what did you see out of him at Penn State before he opted out? Comp is tough. I really haven't thought of a good. It, comp I agree. For him That's why I really asked because I was having a hard time throwback. myself. So this is actually very yeah. annoying that you don't have one because I was counting on <laughs> you to sorry. give me one that I could steal. He's a, he's a different he's a different breed. It's almost like a Isaiah Simmons, but on a different end of the spectrum from Isaiah Simmons in that he is about as solid between the tackles as it gets. Like taking on blocks, blitzing. It's about as good a linebacker, off-ball linebacker prospect as you'll ever see. He runs a 4.36. He's 246 pounds. I mean, he had a 10.6 broad jump. He is a monster. And when he comes downhill and attacks offensive linemen, it, I, I've said if he was the if you just called him an edge rusher, I'd probably draft him before any of the edge guys. In he class. was right. He He's, was an edge rusher. He was high, yeah. Before, okay. Coming out of he high looked, school, he looks like then, an edge rusher. <laughs> Yeah. And he plays kind of like one too. Like yes. he's really is so talented and just the way he's able to you know, keep himself clean and, and get to ball carriers consistently. He's not as, he's not Isaiah Simmons in coverage, but he is very good 
hunting guys down in space. He's not going to be your playmaker, get his hands on a ton of balls, but he doesn't miss tackles. Like he doesn't let guys get out of his grasp. He has 11 inch hands. He's got the biggest hands ever measured for linebacker, off ball linebacker. Just he is, he's a rare breed for the position. And so that's what I said. I, I'm not sure there's really a great comp for him. Probably going to be before my time. Cause guys, you know, maybe back in the nineties, maybe like LeVar Arrington. I don't know what guys looked back back then. I, I was like nine years old when he was coming out. So I'm not exactly sure, but <laughs> um, Parsons is just different. I like him better than Simmons. Cause I just think like, you know, he's, I mean, he can play a bunch of positions, but he, he's a Mike. You, you just like, yeah. it's not, there's not as much like, oh, I don't know, right. Team has to draft him. Like any team can draft this dude. Right. Um, I guess what struck me the most about him. I mean, you said a lot of the stuff um, I wrote down just all these notes from the Michigan. I mean, he had all those crazy stops at the end, Pitt, Iowa, like the, I mentioned uh, earlier, I think I was talking about Phillips and his his reads. The thing that I find the most amazing about um, Parsons is sometimes he makes the wrong read or he'll overshoot. And then his ability, even when he screws up to erase his own mistakes because of his change of direction uh, ability and his speed mm-hmm. and still make the tackle is so bananas. Like he will be overly aggressive and shoot his gap and still get still make the tackle. And like he'll be like so far deep in the backfield. I'll think no way, no way, no way. And then he still gets, I mean, it's just remarkable. Um, I like my only question mark on the field is coverage, which you addressed. Um, but you know, like I think his inexperience there suggests that, that's something he can develop at the next level, especially again, given the just pure sideline to sideline speed he already has. Yeah. And another guy who last time we saw him, like we're basing this off of sophomore tape, the yeah. true sophomore. <laughs> we only got to see two years of him and then opted out. So it, it could have gotten better. We just, we don't know. We just didn't see it. Um, everyone seems to have the same order for linebackers. So this is a lot easier than edge rushers. They go um, Parsons and then Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa. Working on saying that quickly. Uh, out of your beloved Notre Dame. Oh yeah. Uh, so he is the opposite where I was like, it's very clear to me what Michael Parsons, he, he, no questions. I have a lot of questions about what Jeremiah is going to do in the NFL. You tell me um, because he is not plug and play. Uh, he is of course a bit of a tweener. Uh, he was a rover for Notre Dame. How do you see him best being utilized in the NFL given his size and his skill set? Yeah, so he basically played slot. is like the rover position in Notre Dame is more yeah. akin to slot receiver, slot cornerback, excuse me, than anything in the NFL. I, I think if you wanted to, you could just play him a weak side linebacker and you'd be fine with it. Maybe not maximizing his skill set, but I think he could get it done. There are linebackers, you know, Darius Leonard, coming to mind, Telvin Smith, when he was obviously playing football, uh, who played at his size and just were that guy. I think that maybe underutilizing him, maybe like without really newfangled defenses in the NFL and how they're approaching modern offenses and modern sort of trip sets that you're getting, quads and stuff that you're getting. You can mm-hmm. have, he can give you that flexibility to go out and play slot and not have to match personnel necessarily and not have to do that. And I think that's his calling card. That's what he brings to the table that, you're really not going to find in the third round, guys. There's not a lot of linebackers that move like him and that can still play in the box. So that's obviously his biggest thing. But then again, how does he take on blocks? We, we see him get stuck on wide receivers sometimes uh, on his tape. And that's that's not the case for Michael Parsons. That's not the case for Zayvon Collins. Like he is not, 
you're going to have to live with plays like that for what he can do one-on-one when he's you know, with a slot receiver because he can hold his own in that regard. Who do you guys have drafting him? Who would, where would you like to see him draft? Ooh, where would I like to see him drafted? I think with the Chargers would be awesome with him and Derwin James. Just, oh, just full-on positionless basketball. And just, yeah, yeah just, just have make every magic guy there. Play every position. That'd be pretty, pretty funny. Um, so that'd yeah. be fun. But more realistically, he probably goes to someone like the Raiders and just plays in the middle and it's boring and doesn't really make an impact. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Um, you mentioned Zayvon Collins. I was DMing you about Zayvon Collins because I was worried, and what I said at the beginning of the show, I made a potentially show a joke that might get edited out about Zayvon Collins and his, his football team. But like I um, – like it really looks like you know the magnifying glass feature in broadcast when you're zooming in on a guy and then all, they make him look like approximately yeah. one point seven five times that is he looks one point seven five times taller than everyone else and um it's it's not just like his size though it's the way he it, it well it's his wingspan too but it's also the way he plays it's like you know how sometimes Giannis will take off and you're like, no way, no way, no way. That's how I yeah. feel watching Zayvon Collins come downfield. Like his blitzing ability is so, he, he's a linebacker. We're still talking about linebackers, folks. It's so crazy. And I, my question for you is, am I underestimating the fact that he was like a big brother playing with younger brothers in college? Uh, there's a little bit of that. Obviously, I do worry he's not as sure a thing taking on blocks as Parsons was. Like, he still kind of gets by with the fact that he's just big as hell. <laughs> that he, yeah. The guys that are coming up and blocking him only have like 25 pounds on him and that he's, you know, obviously much stronger. And so that part of the game, I, I don't see as locked in. But I, I do think just the way he moves in space for a guy that size, you know, 260 pounds. Is special. He, sort of, he gallops. And, he doesn't yeah, really move. He the gallops. cop is Seabiscuit in the draft guide. He's just a horse. Like the guy really does just start gliding across the field. It's incredible to watch. It's but, so graceful. Sorry, I'll stop. Yeah. I just love him. And, and the instincts, I would really love him. I like just, I love his zone and the way he plays zone coverage. I, I think is exceptional. And so mm. with that wingspan and the holes he can sort of shut down in a zone heavy team, I, I would love to see him. Do mm. something like that. Interesting. Are there any other linebackers that you feel very passionate about? I love Nick Bolton from Missouri. And now he's not he's tiny. Be everyone's cup of tea because he's, yeah, he's 5'11", um, 230. I love this time of year when I get to call guys time. He's tiny. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> oh, guys, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's so insulting. It's me. Like, I always feel bad when I call someone like soft. I'm like soft relative to... NFL players like not to me this guy's beat my ass uh, Nick Bolton is is not tiny he is an average size man however he is a tiny linebacker yeah and he I mean he hits though like he's like he's Michael Parsons the guy rocks he got called for targeting once this year and I'm not sure he actually I remember that him. I know exactly he just hit him too about. hard yeah. <laughs> you know, he just hit the tight end too hard over the middle of the field so Bolton can rip and his instincts for the position are just top notch and and I'm not sure he's ever going to be, you know, he's not going to be Bobby Wagner. He's not even close to that as an athlete, but I think the way he sees the game, like I, I want that guy, especially when you got these minor defenses where the linebackers are having yep. to cover multiple gaps where you're gapped down at the linebacker position. Mm-hmm. And they got to really find the ball nowadays. It's like the guys that can do that are really, really valuable to me. That's Bolton for sure. 
If he can see it. No, um, I'm just kidding. No, he, he is. You're, you're absolutely right. I wrote down high, high floor, low ceiling question. I think that's probably, I'm guessing how a lot of teams will regard him because he knows how to play football. But um, yeah, he, it's just, it's just a question mark of size, but um, it, it, and because of that size, you know, you talked about the, the reading ability, like when you're that size, you can't do, remember all the stuff I was saying about Micah Parsons at the beginning, how he can like up and then his change of a direction, yeah. his speed. Nick Bolton can't do that because, oh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't. He, he he just doesn't have that ability, uh, the the speed, the change of direction, whatever. But he rarely makes mistakes. He takes the right angles, so um, the processing is so elevated that it ends up not mattering. So he is a cool player. I, I like him a lot for it, and and he 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 can he can start you know very quickly. I think in the NFL, um, I really like this cornerback class. So I want to get to that and. You know what? Actually, let's just do the safeties because I don't like the safety class and we could leave the cornerbacks <laughs> for the end because the, the corners cool. to me are the most fun part of that. Um, safeties, th- this is another consensus number one, right? Everyone has Merrick at, from TCU. Have you ever, have you seen a single draft that does not have him as the number one safety off the board? Oof. I, I think. Trevon, Trevon Merrick, sorry. Just, yeah, yeah, Trevon Merrick, the TCU safety. Um, I think Dane Brugler has him, has Richie Ooh, Grant safety spicy. one. Spicy. Of the athletic. So 45 year old Richie Grant. Safety, yeah. Right. The, the, I think he's, is he actually 24, right? He's, he's 24. Yeah, yeah. 24 <laughs> year old Richie he's Grant. He's basically a Gen Xer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just hanging around fifth year, you know, just chilling um, as one does. But yeah, Merrick is, he kind of ticks every box. You know, he's size, he's 6'2, 205, you know, speed. He ran the, high four fours of his pro days, explosive. He's got length. He led the FBS and pass breakups each of the last two years. And he's playing a role in TCU where they're playing a lot of quarters and he's a lot of the, mm-hmm. where you're reading. It's a very kind of diverse role that you, you got to do a lot of different things when you're a quarter safety. Um, I actually wanted to ask you about you that. Now that, you, now that you mentioned that, do you think, um, I mean, I imagine he's going to be a free safety in the NFL. Do you think he can be a single high guy predominantly. Like, do you think he has the range? Because uh, he did play so much role. No. quarters in TCU. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I wouldn't say it's the best role, but I think he's versatile enough to do it. Wear a lot of different hats. The other TCU guys, the teeny one, is also really fun. I don't know where he's being. Oh, uh, our Darius Washington, he is actually teeny. I am allowed to say he's teeny because he is teeny, but. Um, is he being mocked? He's actually smaller than me. He weighs less than I do. There so you go. I can, I can say that. Legitimately he is, teeny. He is 5'8", 178. He's the smallest safety ever to weigh in. He's got an inch um, and a half on if me. He were, if he would have been at the combine. So. Is he is he being mocked in the first three rounds? Because I really like him. He may come off the board towards the end of the third round. Okay. Just because he could really still good. like floor. This guy's going to be a really good slot cornerback and, and you've seen uh, yeah. slot cornerbacks drafted that high i'm trying to think of the last one who's really tiny to well, go well. that in the third um the old miss guy went to the Pittsburgh steelers I'm um, but the back to back to mary so yeah. um <laughs> yeah so he's he's gonna go in the first round probably right yeah i would be surprised if he doesn't obviously um, didn't have i was kind of surprised that xavier uh Xavier. Oh gosh, I'm just playing yeah. right here. McKinney, McKinney yeah, didn't yeah. go in the first last year, but me too. Uh, that was the big dropper day one, yeah. But yeah, I would be surprised if Barry didn't. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I said he's a free safety, but he he's he's tough. He hits hard. <laughs> um, he's fast. 
he is athletic, athletic. I think he's explosive, um, plays ball. Well, he's got production. Like I, to me, there's a reason why he's the number one, yeah, nine passes defense. I was just looking that up. Um, yeah, I, defense, I, I, I think I would, I think to me, the bigger question mark is just, does another, there's, I don't think another safety probably goes in the first. Um, you mentioned Richie Grant and maybe, um, I guess I could see it. Uh, Maybe Elijah Molden. So let's talk about Elijah Molden as a good transition to the corners. Um, My beloved Elijah Molden, because we were talking about slot corners as well. I think he is, I think he is like a absolute NFL starting caliber player. I said player. Um, He is a slot corner, but you know, if you're a slot corner in the modern NFL, you're on the football field a lot. Um, so he is the Washington guy I'm choosing to stand for. I'm not ch- standing for Tryon. I'm not standing for the DT, Levi, and Wuzurike. I think I said that right. But um, I will stand for my beloved Elijah Molden. I just think he is, like, so um, smart. Like, he's one of my favorite football players. He was one of my favorite players to watch at Washington, DBU, because – not only is he like fast, just slip that in, fast, twitchy, athletic. I like he is so good at reading quarterbacks. I just think like, man, if I was a defensive coordinator, I, I want that kid. I love Molden too. My only worry is just like, is he anything more than a slot? Are you gonna? I don't think he's gonna play on the outside. He's five ten, one ninety. He's really would be undersized, and outside's a very different role than inside. Or is he? Can he transition to safety? I think he can. I think he's a really good tackler. My favorite thing about watching his tape, and you watch a lot of slot cornerbacks, and they're a lot of the plays they make on the ball are coming downhill. You know, they're off coverage or in zone or whatever, and you're breaking on a slant, that sort of thing. And, and yeah, he does that. But then a lot of those guys who do that, all of a sudden you get a vertical route, and they're just toast because they're they're mm-hmm. flat footed. They're just waiting to break on that slant. That wasn't molding at all. He was a vertical route. He could flip his hips and then go with them. So he wasn't yeah. jumping stuff. He's reading. It's a bit big difference. And so you, you saw him make pass breakups and going down the field on vertical routes. So as far as if I'm going to grab a slot cornerback in this draft class, that's like a need. I want to fit in my defense. Molden should be number one on your board. He's, he's that good. Let's talk about the slot thing, though, for a second, because I talked a little bit about slot receivers last week because there's so many slot receivers in this class, like at that top, mm-hmm. in that sort of second tier, right? And I think some of that has to do with the way football has changed, <laughs> you know, and – um Obviously, the value of those receivers has changed a little bit. Like, don't do you think that slot cornerbacks in the draft, like a true slot, might be drafted higher than he was three or four years ago? Setting yeah, aside so. Bolt Molden himself, who we agree is great. I think you're seeing those guys get paid in free agency also. Mm-hmm. Like, you're seeing the NFL come around to this guy's playing more snaps than my nose tackle. You know, realizing that the value proposition there, if you can pay a nose tackle $10 million a year, you could pay a slot cornerback or should be paying a slot cornerback at least that then. So, yeah, I, I maybe not first round, but I think Byron Murphy came off the board at the top of the second, obviously the other Washington corner, and he was most more than likely going to play the slot for them in Arizona. So I, I think you're seeing that's distinctly a possibility. All right, let's talk about the outside corners. True or false? I just watched a lot of... I'm, cornerbacks are very fresh in my mind right now. Um, true or false, Caleb Farley is the best cornerback in this class. 
I think that's true. And if it weren't for the back injury, he, he was number one on the board prior to that. Or prior he was to near him. Okay, so before hmm. – Yeah. So, but, so uh, tell us I, so about I'll, the injury. So tell was, everyone like what the deal is with that because it is so obviously – So he had serious. a microdiscectomy, the same surgery that Tiger Woods had. Now, well, that's not good. Well, I don't want to hear disc. that. <laughs> okay, exactly. That, that's <laughs> why I was – so I'm texting my dad about it who's an orthopedic, former orthopedic surgeon. And he said, you can, you can recover quickly from it, but the worry is then, is the back going to be able to take hits after that on NFL football field consistently without it then recurring? And I think that's the scary thing is I think that's the second time he's had that back injury already. And so that's wow. the, kind of the worry with Caleb Farther right now. But okay. man, he, so he <laughs> says, he told us, and he, run, he ran a 4-2-4 whatever in training. And he said he's running the four, always ran in the four twos when he's a bit at Virginia Tech, but wouldn't tell people that because they would think he was lying. And on his tape, he looks like he's, I mean, the guy can fly. He can fly and he's 6'2", right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, like the, his ability to make up, to close ground is so crazy for a guy with his length. Um, it's, and you know, like, and that's assuming you've beaten him on the line, which is a task in and of itself. I just think like, to me, he is the most scheme agnostic. Stealing is this guy has it all cornerback in this class. However, everything you said is just very real. I also probably should have mentioned at some point he went to Virginia tech. Uh, sorry. So, um, okay. So because of the injuries, he has been falling, uh, Right now, it seems like everyone, most people have Patrick Sertan second um, overall. And I wish I was more excited about, I mean, he's really good. And I saw, by the way, his pro day was off the charts. So Patrick Sertan second out of Alabama, if you know the name, obviously his dad was uh, in the NFL as well. Um, rarely targeted. <laughs> uh strong um he's he's fast he's not caleb farley fast he's very uh polished to use the word he's just i use i think that is probably the right word to use him um he doesn't have many bad games he he has a high floor that's probably like that's the argument for him is he just is very safe if he's a bad nfl cornerback that would be incredibly surprising you know, yes. Like that, that's kind of. Who did you comp him to, highlights. by the way? Just out of curiosity. Oh gosh, who did I comp? He's. To? I was. It was thinking. a better. Um, I am just like legit off with names now, but Tremaine Johnson, a better, more <laughs> polished Tremaine Johnson. <laughs> so they're like similarly actually, sized, like these. It's pretty funny. Big, long, but not super twitchy uh, cornerbacks. Yeah, there's a it, not super twitchy. There's like a little bit of stiffness to this game. Yeah. Um, but he just kind of just gives inches and like makes it up because he's long, like gets his hands on guys really, really well mm-hmm. at the line and like he can stay there, but kind of consistently just a little step behind and just never really locking guys down kind of the way you see like a JC Horn lock guys down. Yeah, you know, we were talking about Nick Bull. I'm not comparing him to Nick Bullen at all, but the way in which sometimes if you don't have like crazy athletic traits you have to make up that margin if you will with um in nick bolton's case sort of his processing ability and with sertan as well like i feel like his understanding of leverage and positioning 
really mm-hmm. works to his advantage. I, it's so annoying because he like is fulfilling all the stereotypes of the son. Um, they're like, the he really knows the game. He's in the playbook, but they're all really true with him. When you watch him, like he clearly has been around football his entire life and it really shows. And then you got like, uh, like if he's a Virgo, JC Horn is an Aries. Um, that's uh, oh, no, you're losing me. Yeah. Astrology stuff. So JC Horn um, is I think the most hilarious player in the entire class. Um, and so South Carolina corner rapidly rising up boards, extremely physical, um, allowed the lowest completion percentage in the, Oh, he's Joe Horn's son, but, he's a, son, yeah. but you see, he's a receiver's son. So, uh, very different. So, um, lowest completion percentage in the sec, uh, just, I posted a clip of um, him knocking down Seth Williams and dudes kept being like, that's not even like Seth Williams. Cause they didn't see him at the bottom, just pushing him down. Um, Cause it wasn't uh, the ball wasn't actually going to Seth Williams, but it, that we got that clip. So with ESPN, they cut us reels. Um, and so you get to see the same play from like 20 angles sometimes. And that play, honestly, I was cackling to myself, just watching it from Incredible. every single possible angle. It's so funny. He is comedy. Yeah. You wonder if he has daddy issues with how much he hates wide receivers. I mean, he really can't stand them. He go, I'm obviously joking, but he's, he really like at the line of scrimmages, he wants to end it right there. And he wants the, the screen, like you said, with Seth Williams, he wants to blow up a block. Like he plays the game, like the guy across from him stole his money. And that's, that's a good thing at the cornerback position. Like that's the mentality you want. You'd rather reel that guy in. And if you play the way he plays right now, he's going to get, I was gonna, it's, it's a good thing like until Brandon he gets flagged for holding like yeah. 100 times a game because that is but my I, biggest question mark. Can he do it? Is any of this legal? Is what I wrote down. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I'd rather reel that guy in than try to coach that up into a guy. And so you're not going to you're not going to fit him into every scheme. And like you said, I don't think he's a great fit for uh, oh, Dallas. Dallas. Like, a, like a zone scheme. Like this guy is press man fit all day. That's what you want him doing. And the other crazy thing about him, he's only 20 years old and just turned 20. Mm. He won't turn 21 until next November. So he is a young dude already you know, dominating SEC competition. Um, you, I think, texted me or DM me that there, you had five corners. in. So you weren't including Molden. I assume your other two are Greg Newsom and Asante Samuel Jr. In Yes. In which order? I, I, I think so. Greg Newsom. Okay, good. three now on the cornerback board falling, and then Asante Samuel Jr. at five. Okay, I really like Greg Newsom, so I'm excited about this. Tell me why you like him. He's got the best just feet of any of the corners in the class. Like we talked about Sertan just not quite having that twitch and the smoothness and just being a little stiff. Horn in off coverage is just vastly different, his kind of balance and change direction than he is when he's right up in your hip pocket. But Newsom from off coverage, my Lord, watching him like transition – like it's like ballet watching a guy just move so gracefully uh, and mm. is a ridiculous athlete in his own right. The kind of the only worry with him is he saw Sertan and Horn play top flight competition yeah. three years of their career with Newsom. Really only his past year and he gets hurt in the Ohio State game, doesn't even get to play that full game against right. they didn't you know, have the best a lot of face yeah. all season. So you just don't really know for sure, but man, he's talented. I know. That that was a game where they didn't have a lot of right? The Northwestern game or they were missing couple guys in that game though that ohio state game right 
Unless yeah, I'm, they didn't have a lot of so that was a, mum, yeah. a bummer to me because I really wanted because I really the Northwestern defense is so fun. I really wanted to watch them against the best competition. Um, but yeah, to me, I guess it is quality of competition. Like on one hand, you see the stats are crazy. I think he led the FBS in passer rating and a bunch of other crazy stats, but he didn't really go up against that many good wide receivers. Um, he is yeah. like I think he's like Wisconsin, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, you said we were talking about J.C. Horn is press man. I really think Newsom can play. He's pretty scheme agnostic. Um, he's a ball mm. hawk. I, you know, he's always got his hand in there. Um, I, I, I'm. He just looks really smooth when I watch him. Like, you know, like he he is. I I I, I don't want to say Patrick Stahan's stiff. He's not stiff, and he's incredible athlete and explosive or whatever but Newsom there's just like a fluidity to his game that I think is really special yep. um I, I like Samuel god there's so many kids of players Jesus oh I feel so old oh having an existential crisis just tell me why you like Samuel I gotta I gotta process this I can't <laughs> isn't that, that this I mean one basically this one hurts, just start right junior this one hurts this one's the closest also to his father like he plays like Asante yeah. Samuel you'll see just the way you don't want to do that comp because it feels lazy. Jumps routes. It <laughs> yeah. does. But I think it's Asante Samuel Sr. who can tackle. Like this guy actually goes and sticks <laughs> his nose in it. Maybe maybe Asante Samuel Sr. did in college and we just I don't remember him coming out. And then once he got to the NFL and got paid, he's like started making business decisions. And maybe Junior will do the same, but I, I don't even think it matters if he starts doing the same because this guy is he's kind of just you talked about like the feet of Newsom. Like Asante Samuel from like a standstill he could just start get up to full speed any direction it's incredible to watch just like his kind of twitch from a standstill or from uh just when he's is changing directions is so juiced up uh and, and obviously like i said sees the game he's been breaking up past since he's a true freshman do you think this cornerback group is deep enough to the point where like it's not you know i mentioned earlier that um dallas was a team i had trading down from 10 grabbing bar more and then potentially getting, you know, one of the later corners. Like, do you think they're deep enough to where you don't need to get one of those top two guys? I don't think you need to get one of those top two. Like I see this almost as a tier of five yeah. with those certain horn more than which what's your scheme fit with those mm-hmm. tier. Cause obviously mm-hmm. if you're playing press man, you're not really going to want to pass on JC horn for Asante Samuel. It's not going to be what you want, but if you're, you know, if you're kind of a diverse scheme, you could probably plug in it like Newsom, Farley, Samuel. You could plug in any of those guys to your defense and be happy with it. But then it's like that's kind of it, though, after those five. I really don't think the second tier of cornerbacks is mm. even close to what you're getting with those five. Just wrapping, like of all the – and you include the ones we haven't talked about. Like of all the position groups in this class, what do you think is the deepest? That one's – I think tackle, just comparatively year on year. Yeah, I don't think you see this many tackles come out that – or even, I guess, just offensive line in general because some of these guys later on you can get to the interior if you really wanted to. But I think we got 11 guys in the top 50 at the tackle position right now. Wow. Which is – I mean, I guess – It doesn't happen most I, I guess you could – I mean, you could also argue quarterback just by virtue of the fact that I think there are sure. five quarterbacks who are like – Yeah. I, one, yeah. I just I, – I, I know this is the time of the year when I have to say who's good and who sucks, but I was doing – every day we do the quarterbacks on TV, and I was like, I just like them all. 
I just like all five. I think they're all good. Um, you don't want to trash Mac Jones or Justin Fields? He's like good. They're both good. I don't <laughs> – I like, you know, maybe you can say he's not worth that kind of trade. But, um, okay, as always, let's wrap up with five questions for our guests. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? First four questions are from me. Fifth is always from my dog, Lenny. It's not – I didn't write it. Okay, question number one. Who would you put in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Julian Edelman or Dante Hightower? Oh, no. Um, can I say neither? There's No, that's, there's one. a reason why okay. I put it this way. Okay, sorry. Um, I'll go Dante Hightower. Right answer. Respective to his position, he is the better player. I also think, though, like they're, the thing is with both, they have the same um, argument for, which is – um dubs. well dubs but also like can you tell the story of postseason football without you know like although nobody will make that for dante hightower because he's a linebacker but yeah. i maintain that the patriots don't win those super bowls without dante hightower just as much no, as they don't true. win them without julian edelman but he'll never benefit from that anyways I love no dante yeah <laughs> that's not that that's only for like direct counting stats positions that argument gets made yes so. yes another way of saying white wide receivers um okay question number two which team do you think is most likely to trade up for a quarterback? Ooh, I think the Broncos are most likely to trade up for a quarterback. We did um, Mel's mock today and he had the Broncos taking Micah Parsons and Justin Fields going 11 to the Patriots. And I almost, I was like twitching on air. I was like, they can't, they can't do that. My they can't God. do that. If they Could do that, like I would quit Broncos, Broncos fandom. I can't, I cannot. Yeah. Like, you just shouldn't it's just like that's just should be unacceptable. I mean, just think about Drew Locke in college, how he played at Missouri. And then think about Justin Fields, how he played at Iowa State. Oh my god. Which one would you want? Drew Locke ranked um thirty-third in I was describing them before right before the show, on target percentage, thirty-third in cohesion percentage, thirty-fifth in QBR, thirty like every single one of like the important stats he ranks outside the top thirty-two. And you know what? Yeah. He played four years. We know who he is. Sorry, that one I, good game, though. Oh, my God. Against, right? Like, the Texans. I don't even yeah. actually remember. <laughs> he, he crushed the Texans defense. Uh, yeah. Um, I So it's like uh, Denver, New England, Washington, Chicago, Chicago, I guess, are the four. There's no one else yeah. who would make sense. I mean, the Saints are always liable to make a crazy move wild move new england is it seems like everyone's really hovering around new england and denver i don't think washington's gonna do it um maybe no yeah i don't think so they would just have so far to go is the problem exactly denver doesn't have that far to go but um justin fields is tall although always not the guy so sort of i don't know who really knows all right question three while we're talking about the quarterbacks um who is a outside of the group of five quarterbacks, as I'm calling them, who is a quarterback that you like? Ooh, I like Kyle Trask. I still think. I said that so defensively. Some, I mean, people, he gets hated on for the talent around him. Like he had Kyle Pitts, he had mm. Kadarius Tony. thinks mm. he's a product of that. To some degree he is. But a lot of those like catches on tape that Kyle Pitts are making, a lot of guys don't make those throws. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship where the quarterback's got to give you a good opportunity to make a catch that where only you can catch it and not the <laughs> defender can make a play on it. So 
I think Kyle Trask like has some of that creativity to his game. He's not super athletic, but I think he manipulates pockets really well. And uh, I still think there's something, there's something to the fact that he's only started in football for two years. He didn't start in high school. So yeah, uh, I think that's interesting sort of trajectory. He played with uh, Derek King, right? That was the whole cute story of them. Um, Okay. I'll, I'll allow it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if any, I, 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 I guess the Stanford, uh, Mills people are saying might go second, but. Oh yeah. I, I were six. You mean, or wait in the second, in the second round. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I haven't seen any, that many other, I guess Trask is being mocked second, but I don't know. I just feel like just wait a year. <laughs> that's not where I'd want to. That's not where I'd want to draft one. All right. You know what? I passed over this from my Seahawks, but you're, since I have you here and you're the expert, who would you uh, draft for them in the second round? My beloved Seattle Seahawks, selfishly using this to ask a question for myself. Oof, you got to be p- praying that uh, Walker Little, you and Lenny, got to be praying that he. he really? Yeah, okay. I, all right. I think that's what you want. He's. He's just, I think he's just, he obviously got screwed by the fact that he's played one game in the last two years. I think we're talking about him as a sophomore in that oh, same group. Tell the story for those who don't know, Walker Little, because it's, it's Okay, so Stanford tackle, five-star recruit, stars true freshman for David Shaw. Obviously, like a rarity there in that offense and what they do. Has a really good sophomore year. It's like really good down the stretch. I think he's only allowed one pressure in the final six games of 2019. Then he gets hurt first game of 20, 2019. Um, his junior year. And if you look, go back and look at preseason mocks prior to that, it's like he's, you would not find him outside the top 20 picks in a 2020 mock. Hmm. Uh, and he was in the conversation with Wirfs, Thomas, Becton as the top tackle in that class, uh, Jedrick Wills as well. Like he was in the conversation for that prior to that season, but then he got hurt, then opts out and then skips the senior bowl as well, or opts out of the senior bowl as well. So we just have not seen the guy play football in an insanely long time. But like the, his pro day, he crushed it. He was on their trajectory to be that guy. We just never got to see him be that guy. So we fall see you guys in the second round, Seahawks, man, that you could be getting the top 10, 15 player that we just didn't really get to see develop like that. I'm looking at a photo of him as you're talking and he looks like Carson Wentz times three. Like if you just expanded Oof. Carson Wentz three times with like magnifying glass. Yeah. That, that plays in the offensive line though. That's more of an offensive line aesthetic. Yeah, I, it works. It works. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, last question as always comes from Lenny. Sorry. I just, it's messenger. Um, it's my co-host, my dog. Um, Lenny knows that, um, well, he read, he heard through the grapevine that you were on our beloved ABC show, The Bachelor. Uh, he wants to know if you didn't speak, were you really on the show? Oh, Lenny, how are you going to do me like that? Are you going to dog me like that, Lenny? Did you speak? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I got, I mean, I, they showed my intro. That was about it. <laughs> oh, no. No I got lines? two roses. I got two roses. Two roses and no lines? Oh. I got a couple lines. I had a catch in a football game. That's all that matters. Actually, I, I, I'm still salty about this, and I'm going to tell the story because I'm still salty about it. But I had an interception in that game <laughs> off of Garrett, who ends up winning the show. I had a one-hand interception guarding – uh, Guarding the guy who was the pro basketball player, Kristan. Oh. One-handed interception, and they just <laughs> they didn't show it. They didn't show it on TV. I can't – I could not believe. Mm-hmm. Keyshawn Johnson was announcing. It's actually kind of cool. <laughs> my co-host on NFL Live. Shout out, Keyshawn. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. For sure, Mia. Thanks for having me.